Welcome to the Tough Love and Second Chances podcast. My name is Tony Bennett and it's my privilege to write, produce and share the remarkable stories of golfers who refuse to be defined by their disability. Frankly, what started out as a goal to relate the stories of a few golfers has become much more. It is said that everyone has a story and that is true. For several years I told the stories of golf professionals, how they became good players, great coaches and top club professionals. As enjoyable as this was, the words of my guests on Tough Love and Second Chances and found in the Edgar Profiles supported by Ping have helped me on a journey of discovery and all the while being a much needed look into the human spirit. The openness of my guests is what makes their stories powerful, frequently revealing examples of how hope, courage and the opportunity to express oneself through the game of golf makes for a combination that can improve and even save lives. This week's guest is Ellie Perks, one of Edgar's growing group of Generation Z golfers, and she defies many of the character traits commonly associated with those born between 1995 and 2009. Sometimes called digital natives, the efficiency of how they surf, text and interact with the online world is really quite remarkable. And yet Ellie spends hours upon hours helping others to find a game that has all too often been associated with much older participants and has been played for more than 300 years. Please enjoy my conversation with Ellie Perks. I've, believe it or not, I'm going out later this afternoon, about 12-ish over here, but uh, it's, I, I've noticed they've... Um, cause They've got buggies on here um, because they've got a buggy track. So we can still use the buggies, but it's just walking onto the, the actual course. It's just a little bit damp, but it doesn't really affect me, to be honest. <laughs> so is this what a normal weekend might look like for you, going playing a bit of golf on Saturday? Well, yeah, right. I do um, voluntary coaching in the morning from <laughs> half nine till half twelve, um, which is like, normal standard kids and helping them grow into the game of golf and obviously because um I don't know if you know that I'm I work with golf disabled children I do which is obviously a charity um which hasn't really got many people involved with it so obviously that's what I'm trying to do is help promote it, if you know what I mean kind of get people to hear about it and obviously it's great that you've heard about it yourself which is obviously exactly what we're trying to do is get people hearing about golf save children think you know people and especially with it, it kind of links with Edgar as well because obviously Edgar's about um getting people with disabilities to play golf so it's kind of good that I have both to work alongside if you know what I mean yeah we're all about trying to get more and more people playing the game that's for sure but uh, how did you get involved in that charity um well I first of all went down um to the golf club just with my dad just to you know hit some balls and just uh watch my dad for a bit and then um the head pro gareth snellgrove um came over to my dad and said well we've got a charity called golf disabled children um with free golf lessons and we think it would be perfect for ellie to come along to so um we 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 got the information from it and we went down to the first lesson and obviously met Keith James who owns it and ever since that I've 
never wanted to stop play golf. You were quite young, though, if I'm not mistaken. You were sort of, what, seven, eight, is that right? Yeah, I was about seven or eight years old, so I've been playing for about seven to eight years now because I'm now 15. So, obviously, it's been a great few years working with the charity and things and obviously getting England Golf recognised me for doing all the things that I've done with them and the other charities that I work with, Little People UK and Dwarf Sports Association because I'm a dwarfism. So obviously it's just, obviously when I was younger, I, I didn't really know much about golf. But I think with Golf Disabled Children, it kind of allows you to be able to take it kind of slowly, if that makes sense, and um, be able to just hit balls and be able to learn as you go, which I kind of find is quite nice because you don't feel pressured or rushed into doing it. You can take the time, which I kind of agree with and that's kind of what we do with golf to have children because obviously we've got a lot of autistic people and you can't really rush with them because if you go too quick with them they won't kind of understand so it's yeah. kind of good that in when I was younger I kind of they kind of did that with me so now I know to do it with them if that makes sense. Ellie can you explain to me then what it was like going through that program as a youngster getting involved in golf for the first time and what your experience of that was, then perhaps you can tell me a little bit about getting into the coaching. So actually, you've been a participant and now you're a coach in the programme. Well, yeah, when I first got started, as I said, I was about seven to eight years old. So I was, I was quite young, so you, know, you didn't really know what to expect. But as I said, I went down to the, I went down, I, I, they run from, on a Saturday, it's one till two. So we went down to the Saturday session and obviously met with um, the owner and he said, this is a free lesson, so you can come down and just enjoy it and meet new people and socialise, which I found was really um, really pleasing because, as I think I've said this to you earlier on, with golf, you don't want to rush it because obviously if you've got other people with disabilities like autism and stuff then it kind of can get a bit um well you the experiences with autistic people can be a bit stressful if you know what i mean yeah. so obviously you've got to be quite calm all around them and relaxed around them so they feel happy so you're in a mixed group of different abilities and what what kind of size of group was that well the golf sub children group yeah, yeah. Um, well, back uh, back when I started, there was a, quite a few of them. Um, the, I would say it was about 10 okay. people, like yeah. the, the different disabled side. Um, and we have, throughout this, got more and more progressive. <clears throat> but obviously, with people like doing different hobbies and stuff, it can interlink with that. So obviously, some people haven't been able to turn up for certain reasons and personal reasons. So obviously... That kind of, I would say now we've got about 15 to 20 people, okay. which is obviously really good for the charity side of things. You mentioned that the owner is Keith James. Is he the owner of the charity or is he the owner of the golf facility? The owner of the facility is Lord Cobham, um, who's own, who owns Hagley area. Um, but no, the owner of the charity is called Keith James. Okay. And Keith has been very good with me and the other children there because, but I do think he, like, 
as I've said, I am trying to help him out a bit, like trying to promote it on my Instagram, promote it like uh, every every competition I play in. I always yeah. wear one of his shirts, so obviously people look at it and say, "Oh, you're an ambassador for golf, disabled children." Yeah. And then obviously I get to talk about it, which is obviously what I like doing because he he's done so much for us as a group. I think he needs to be. That's why I want to give him back. If you know what I mean, like the recognition, yeah. like how much he actually has done. Like I don't think he kind of realizes how much effort he's put in, how much um, help he's put into us, and it's he he kind of needs that kind of recognition in a way so obviously that's what I've kind of helped him do um and have done already because obviously I've helped him get loads of other children with disabilities come along to it and obviously wearing his shirts and stuff and people have been wanting to find out more about it which is obviously a really good thing for him and myself I know that for many people involved in charity work and there's plenty of charity work being done they don't want recognition particularly. They they sort of just get on with it. Yeah, that's it. At the end of the day, because you've got so I said behind the scenes work and yeah. some people don't realise what actually goes on behind the scenes with all the cost of the of the charity, all the funding and all the you know, the coaching and things. It it, it all works up to a lot of time. Yeah, that's very true. So tell me, have you a different perspective now that you've gone into the coaching side. So a, a second question is, what would a normal coaching session on a Saturday morning look like for you? You've got these kids at the club. What do you do? Well, obviously we have um, one of the PGA coaches there to obviously lead the session, but we've got, um, there's a variety of different groups. We have about six groups on the Saturday. Um, so our first lesson was from, from half nine to half ten. So what we do is like the kids would turn up, and then I just walk around the groups, and obviously, if I spot something that I think they need help on or something, then I'd go and help them out. For example, if it's ball position or grip or anything along them terms of lines, then obviously yeah. I'd explain to them in the simplest way possible because obviously they're quite young in what to do and you know a lot of parents have said you really changed my son's golf you've really helped them out they really feel inspired by you and stuff like that and obviously if you get that feedback if you feel really motivated and really like reassured if that's if you get what I'm trying to say obviously, to get uh, to get that feedback of parents is really nice and really you want it makes you want to do it again so obviously that's why I keep that's why I like volunteering because of all the feedback I get. What, what's the name of the lead coach? Um, the head pro is Gareth Snellgrove, who actually okay, yeah. um, talked me into golf disabled children and actually told me about it. So uh, Gareth's been my coach ever since I've started playing golf, and he's always helped me out with, um, you know, if I'm struggling with contact the ball or anything like that. He he would always help me, give me tips in a nice in a kind of smooth way so it doesn't affect how I swing the ball because obviously if you swing it a lot um, you, you if it tells you to change your swing or changes yeah. your ball position it can affect your golf overall so you know what I mean with Gareth he does try and keep it as simple as possible so obviously with charity lessons with golf said children um, with kids lessons he does he, he keeps it as simple as possible to keep people 
reassured of they know that they can do it. Well, the pair of you obviously did a pretty good job last year because your handicap came tumbling down, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I started the year off at 54, I believe, and I'm now at 18. Fantastic. Except for good coaching, hard work on the driving range and putting green, what do you put that down to? Um, I'd probably say the motivation from people. Uh, for example, my dad and the ex lady captain of the golf club, uh, who's called Sharon Leonard. She's put a lot of effort into helping me out. And it's not just about, you know, obviously the more practice you get, the better you're going to be. But yeah. I think it's um, because last year I changed my clubs over to ping um, and we had a ping fitting session at the golf club and I, I swapped my clubs over to the ping prodigy clubs okay, yeah. and they've made a massive difference into my drives and I think the start I was when I was about seven I was only hitting my drive about 50 yards I'd say if that and now I can hit it around 250 which is like a massive improvement and obviously yeah. this is something I think you've got Joachim Bortman who hits it about 270 yards and it's just that's the kind of thing that people I think don't really understand is that you think if you're smaller, you wouldn't be able to hit it that far. You wouldn't be able to get that perfect timing or anything. But it just shows that you can. It yeah. just shows that if you've got an impairment or no arms or no arm or no leg or you've got shorter arms and shorter legs, it doesn't matter. It's all yeah. about the timing and the way you set up to that ball. I guess you followed Joachim a little bit on social media. Well, we met. We met. We bumped into each other at the BMW Pro Am um, back in September. He was doing. Uh, he was doing some with, I think, some sponsors, and we, I was with the Golf Foundation um, because I'd won the Heroes Handshake Award, and we just happened to bump into each other, and we obviously had a quick chat and see how things were going. And um, I think he wants a round of golf with me, <laughs> but. Uh, We'll take a bit of planning for that because I live in England and he lives in Sweden. But uh, maybe if we bump, if we uh, play in the same competition, we can maybe play around there. But um, no, he was, he was very um, kind of keen into getting to know about the golf that we. But I play as well because obviously I don't think there's many people in Edgar with dwarf is a Mister. I think there's a girl from Germany. Yeah, Jenny Schrager. I guess you'll probably be uh, 19 now. Jennifer played in the European Championship team for Germany a couple of years ago in Quinta del Lago. And that was really probably the first time that we'd seen her playing close up, and, and she certainly can play. I interviewed Jennifer probably towards the end of last year before she played in the Diversity Cup, which was played alongside the Solheim Cup. So tell me a little bit about what your objectives for 2020 are and what you've got in mind? Um, well, I was actually talking about this to um, Keith of from Golf to Serve Children because obviously uh, as much as playing good golf, obviously I want to be able to play as much as I can um, in the summer especially. But I think, for example, when it's wet and damp like it is now, we're, uh, my main objective is trying to raise money for the three charities I work with, which is uh, Little People UK, Tour Sports Association, and of course Golf Seb Children. Um, but I think I'd be mainly working Golf Seb Children as that kind of needs the most 
help, if you know what I mean, because little PPKs and the draw sports are run by a lot of, like, a big com- community of people. Yeah. So they've got quite a lot of support. So obviously, I, I'm still going to give all my support and donations to them. But obviously, my main target and objective for this season is pro- to help raise money and awareness of the charity, self children and, of course, disability golf is the main objective for me. I know you're still at school and there's a saying that it can be difficult going into school when you've got any kind of disability or even any kind of difference to the rest of that community. So how have you found that going through your school and, and, and how have you dealt with it? Um, well, I'm actually glad you brought this topic up, to be honest with you, because um, with my, I think with the generation, with the my generation with teenagers and things, a lot of people at my school and around me try to find something um, that they don't like and try to put me down for it. For example, I play a lot of golf and I'm now playing for Europe in the Phoenix Cup in September um, against USA, which is obviously the, a very high standard of golf. And obviously I think at school, for example, a lot of people try to say, like, try to... Oh, bully not bully me in a way but kind of put me down because I play a lot of golf and they they don't want me to be at that high standard and getting the recognition that I what I get but the way I I don't really I try not to take any notice of it because then I feel if you try to take notice and try to feel you know upset about it and try to feel hurt by it and show that then it's just going to encourage them to do it even more which obviously you don't want so that's what I try to do most of the time when I'm at school and if I'm on social media people message me saying like you know why stop playing golf you're not any good and stuff like that then obviously if you show that you're actually listening to them then it's just going to encourage them to do it more and it's just going to make you feel a bit down so I don't tend I I try not to make take notice I just try to live on my normal day try to get my day done at school and then go home and play golf. And that's how I take it, really. I don't try to take notice because, as I said, if you do, then and, it, and they see you're taking notice of it, it's just going to encourage them to do it more. Yeah, social media can be a pretty tough place. And my guess is that you've had at least one move of school from primary to secondary school. So how was that transition? Because clearly when you're in a primary school, you get used to a group of people. And then going into another school where perhaps you don't know quite as many people. How was that? Well, yeah, my I I used to go to a primary school just down the road from the school that I go to now. So it's not much of a transition in that term. But with the amount of people and the teachers there, it it is a big like wow. There's loads of them compared yeah. to a little small group. And obviously, you do feel a bit isolated because you're a lot smaller than. Um, all of the other kids because you know as they as you get older they're growing a lot taller and you're just stood there like ah hi (laughs) but um um, no believe it or not there was another there was a dwarf girl with the exact same condition as me um who's in a level at the moment and we've got all six form and she was i think she's a year older than me so because we've got two different sites, we've got a lower site and a higher site. So year seven and eight, which is at the lower site, and then years nine upwards, 
at the upper side. So she was in year eight when I was in year seven. Okay. So obviously the current, the people, when I was in year seven, all the year eights knew that right. what it was. So it kind of was kind of really helpful for me that there was somebody with dwarfism in the school yeah. because obviously it would have been a lot more difficult and a lot more different. Yeah. So the only thing people that didn't know about dwarfism I suppose was my year group and then obviously at that time there was a lot of people that were trying to think what's that was she so like that for and because I had a lot of my primary school friends around me they all explained to them as well and then I suppose we've just grown up as a year group and they've all got used to me if you know what I mean yeah. as me being like that and obviously when um, Molly who's the other dwarf went up to nine Obviously, that must have been a bit scary for her, as she was the only dwarf there. Um, <clears throat> and obviously, none of year 10s or year 11s or anybody else like that knew what that was. So it was probably mainly Molly that was getting a bit of the scare. And have you got Molly playing yet? Well, I've tried to... Molly <laughs> um, uh, is quite a quiet person. Like She doesn't go to the dwarf sports, little PPK or anything. And I've kind of mentioned it to her, and she said she doesn't. She, she's quite shy. Okay. And I said to her, well, there's no need to try with anything like this, like golf, uh, European Disabled Golf uh, Association and Dwarf Sports and OPK and other charities around that. You know, you don't need to feel shy because at first, I suppose you're going to feel a little bit, oh, what do I do here? I don't feel in my right place. But that's the whole point of getting people to know you and getting friends, making friends. I've made so many friends throughout Edgar and all sports and little people cape but i have tried to i've mentioned it to her about golf and uh, she didn't seem very interested so i thought i'd leave it so not just yet for her then well look it's interesting you mentioned about edgar events because we have an open golf policy so everybody just plays together so i think that it's been quite interesting to watch back over the years well look i've only been involved for seven or eight years but even going back to the year 2000, Edgar's had its open golf policy. Everybody just plays together and gets on with it. And it seems to be very popular because it's not like you're necessarily going to a group of people that are just exactly the same as you. You're going to a group of people that looks a little bit sort of like the general population. There's older people, younger people, male, female, good players, not such good players. And they've all got their different impairments. So it seems to be pretty popular. So tell me a little bit about what golf means to you, Ellie. Well, golf is obviously a very big subject, isn't it, for different people. So obviously people have their different opinions about it. But I'd say golf for me has um, been a very big thing in my life, really, because obviously I, without like the help from um, in golf and golf foundation, I would never been able to do the kind of things that I do and playing competitions and playing in Europe, like for Europe, for example, um, which I can tell you a little bit about um, afterwards. But um, I think golf is just a very, um, what would you call it? A very nice kind of thing to be part of and society because the main thing that I like about it is that nobody kind of, you might get a few people that a little bit, moaning about you like you know um but the main thing that i like about it is that you don't get judged you get like with the society like golf club that i play at 
I'm kind of accepted for who I am. That make if you get what I mean. So obviously, um, people obviously have seen me play golf, seen me with dwarfism, and think, oh, she's a good golfer. Let's play with her. And that's kind of that's that. It's kind of good that I've got that kind of people like being supportive about that and not having to deal with people trying to take the mick out of me for playing how I play. Yeah. And obviously to have a golf club that's supporting you and friends around you and family, then obviously that's, that motivates you and it completely changes your opinion about the game. Yeah, I guess that's the power of being a golf club, isn't it? You just become one of the golfers. And the Edgar Strap line that we've used for the last eight seven or eight years is golfers first and people just look at the players as being golfers they don't look at them as being short stature or being an amputee or being in a wheelchair they just look at them as being a golfer so you will play most of your golf I guess as a regular golfer at the golf club and then some weeks in the year you're probably playing disabled events or maybe in dwarfism events and so on is, is that the way it works for you? Well, yeah, we um, with the Dwarf Sports Association, we have um, the National Dwarf Games, which is basically, uh, well, I'd say international really, because there's a lot of people from all around the world that come over and play in them. Um, but I've tried to get, I, we are slowly getting golf into it. Um, I've mentioned, because we don't have golf in it yet. So right. the Dwarf Games is obviously people around the world, should I say, with... <clears throat> a form of dwarfism to come to Birmingham um, in England. And we have loads of different events like athletics, like discus, shot put, running, swimming, uh, football, tail tennis. We've got a bit of everything. Yep. So everyone can take part. And you, you get put into categories of your age and your form of dwarfism. So it's all very fair. It's fair. Um, and then you you get put into like different races and stuff like that, and you get to win medals. Um, so I've been going to that for quite a few lot of years now. How, how dad? How long have you said I've been going there? About ten years. Right. Okay. I've been going to draw sports about ten years, and obviously <clears throat> I've met so many new people. All like um, I don't know if you've heard of Eddie Simmons. Yes, I have. Yes, yes, of course. And from a little BBK, I've met Warwick Davis, who's okay. a dwarf actor, uh, and there's the family. And believe it or not, I'm actually organising a charity golf day with Warwick Davis and Anton Deck. Great. Do you know who Anton Deck are? I live in Portugal, so I don't really watch UK TV, but every now and then I do hear about them, yes. Yeah, the presenters. So um, I think. That's happening in August, I believe. I think we're sorting it out the end of this month, like fully putting a nail on it and uh, confirming it all. But, um, uh, yeah, the dual sports, I've also done golf taste sessions for. And I thought, well, nobody has really done this before and I want to be able to kind of get other people with dwarfism involved with it because yeah. there's not many people out there that have dwarfism and play golf. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and we uh, we just planned it at the golf club, and the, the golf club said, yeah, you can have a few bays and just, I suppose, get on with it. And I didn't think I'd have any people. I thought I'd just have about two people turn up, and I had about 30 people turn up, and I was like, wow. Fantastic. 
Um, so yeah, it was it was quite um, exciting to see that people were actually coming to it really because I didn't think anybody would be interested because you know at the start they might think oh golf it's a bit boring in it and no I actually had quite a good turnout which was quite pleasing really and um I've been doing them every month ever since I've had loads of people come and I've, I've had um quite a few children who've taken up golf um got their own golf clubs and you might find this a little bit strange, but there's one girl that's got a poster of me in her bedroom wall, bless her. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, felt inspired from me playing, take, showing her how to play golf, which I found quite cute, really. But uh, no, she, her mum said she's really got into golf and she keeps nagging na- you know, her mum to take her up to golf lessons and things like that, which is what you want to hear. You know, you want to know that you've done something good for some children and adults. Well, it means you're inspiring them, doesn't it? Well, it kind of links back to what I said earlier. It kind of shows that it kind of feel, makes you feel motivated and reassured and makes you want to do it more because, obviously, the feedback you can get is obviously two different sides. You can either get negative feedback, like saying, oh, I'm doing this again, it's rubbish. Or you can get really positive feedback, like, wow, you've really changed my daughter's golfing. She really wants to take golf. And I was that kind of side of it makes you really want to do it more and more which obviously gets your name out gets disabled golf out and it just makes it feel more included society absolutely well look i've got a question here for you which is probably just a closing question but it's an important one so let's just say that money was no object and let's say contacts were no object and facilities were no object what changes would you like to make to the game to make it more inclusive for people with disability? I'd probably say with disabilities, obviously you've got a wide variety of different disabilities. You know, not everyone's, you've got, as I said, with people with different um, kind of things, like you've got people with no legs, people with no arms. So I'd probably say, um, having free buggies for disabled children, not disabled children, disabled people, um, because free buggies, obviously people, for example, myself, I can't get around 18 without a buggy. Yeah. Like, there's no way I could possibly walk 18. Uh, um, I think with the buggies, um, obviously, if you have people with just, you know, people are different, so some people might be able to walk 18 and want to walk 18. But at least then they've got the choice of having a buggy because, you see, buggies can be very, very expensive. And if you have to keep having them, then it can get very high in cost. Yeah. So obviously if, you, if, I think if you have free buggies for people with disabilities, then it kind of would kind of, um, what's the word, want to make them want to come. Yeah, exactly. Takes the barrier up and often just says, well, here you go. You've got a buggy for free. Go and enjoy around the golf with your mates. Yeah. Like, you know, that, that will make somebody a lot happier than feeling like, oh, here you go, you've got to pay 50 quid for this. So, you know, as I said, you've got to keep paying for them buggies. Then it's going to make more golfers feel stressed out and make yeah. golfers feel like, oh, I'm doing that if it's going to cost me that much money. Yeah, you know, you want to enjoy it. As I say, it's an artificial barrier that shouldn't really be a barrier to playing the game. It's just a, it's a financial burden. 
like nowadays you have to spend loads of money on clubs and things like that. And I think that's the thing with sponsorship as well, because I have a lot of help from England Golf and Golf Foundation with all my sponsors. And obviously it helps me be able to, with my golf club. Yeah, They've helped me out a lot with the funding to buggies. Um, yeah. And obviously that is just a lot easier and it makes you feel more relaxed. Tell me a little bit about this Heroes Handshake Award that you mentioned earlier. If I'm not mistaken, it was presented around August time, wasn't it? Yes. Um, well, the Heroes Handshake, <coughs> sorry, um, is won by, it's mainly around the England Golf and the Golf Foundation. And what it is, it's um, a little award, really, and just for your recognition, just to, um, if you've done, like, raised money in a significant way or you've done loads of volunteering and really helped people or something along that it doesn't have to be that but it's just um, based around the young ambassadors from golf and it's just about showing people the recognition that they've got and the hero's handshake obviously with me I was the first girl to win it so it was quite overwhelming to know that I didn't know that at the time but when they said you do realize you're the first ever girl to win this I was like really I was like wow um but you know it kind of helps with the the society of golf because um it's showing other people like you know just standard people who would look at the golf website uh, because you get put on the England golf website and get your name out um onto the pages it just shows to them that what's actually going on in the world that they don't they won't know about. So see, as I said, it kind of links on to earlier behind the scenes work. A lot of people don't know about kind of what goes on like with children and adults playing golf. So um, with the Heroes Handshake, it's kind of a nice recognition for people that have really deserved it, and just to without it. I think without the Heroes Handshake, I would never have been very popular or anything and, you know, been asked to teach people to play golf or anything like that. I don't think I would have any, got anywhere near that without winning that, to be honest with you. And I guess you probably went through Golf Foundation coaching or volunteer coaching, did you? Um, no, believe it or not. I, didn't, I just did it um, at my golf club um, because there's my, my coach, Gareth, um, who I mentioned before, um, is best mates with Jamie Blair from England Golf. Okay, he yeah. is the, I think, inclusion manager now, but he That's right. yep. used to be disabled manager. Um, but no, my coach there, I think um, they, they're quite good friends. So obviously Gareth mentioned, I think must have mentioned about me or something to Jamie. And obviously Jamie thought, ah, Let's pick her for my next Heroes Handshake or something. So, no, I didn't really go through the Golf Foundation, which is quite strange, really. But, um, no, I just went through my normal... I just... I didn't know anything about the Heroes Handshake, so I just went and did my normal lessons and helped out as much as I could and got the recognition for being volunteering. Look, Ellie, are there any questions that I've not asked you that you'd like to talk about? I don't think so, no. I think you've asked... Um, I think you've ticked all the boxes well look it's been a pleasure chatting to you Ellie I hope you have a very good morning of coaching down at the golf club with the guys 
and clearly we'd like to see you in a few of the events this year. Hopefully we'll be able to catch up at some point. So thanks very much for taking the time. I, I really appreciate it. Great. Thank you a lot, Tony. All the best. Thanks. Bye. My sincere thanks to our partners, Ping Golf, who have made this podcast possible. Ping helped golfers around the world to play their best. For more information about Edgar, please visit edgargolf.com and stay tuned for the next Tough Love and Second Chances podcast.